Afro Tales Podcast is a part of the Connected Podcast Network. Chef, Chef. Yes, Glio. Don't you love how we get to share our stories and recipes? Yes, I enjoy it greatly. Do you know what makes it possible for everyone to hear us? Yes, Glio. Our voices, obviously. True, but it's also Anchor, a hosting platform that distributes the podcast to places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and others. Oh, yes. And isn't everything needed to make a podcast in one place? That's correct. And the best thing of all, Chef, it's free. Free, you say? Free. And all I had to do is download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So, you just had to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Yep. Download the Anchor app. Or go to anchor.fm and do what we're doing now. Fantastic, Grio. Simply fantastic. I know, Chef. I know. Ahoy, my friend, and welcome aboard the Afro Tales Podcast. A ship that will carry us from location to location, exploring the tales that grew from the African diaspora in the Americas and the Caribbean. I am Amon Mazinga, your teller of yarns. As we head out, a particular yarn for each location will be spun. Come, sit with me, and enjoy this journey. Obia versus Obia. There was this man one time who had two women, one being his wife and the other his mistress. His wife was pregnant at the time, and like many dutiful wives, wanted a dutiful husband to stay close to her and by her side. But he spent most of his time with his sweetheart. Seven nights a week, he stayed out, and he only came for his laundry or when he felt peckish. His wife wanted him to herself, as she should. So she paid a visit to a local Obia woman, who listened patiently as the misused wife unburdened herself. She pleaded and pleaded with the Obia woman for a spell to bring back her wandering partner. No problem, the Obia woman explained what was to be done. A pan of soup was to be prepared, ready for his hunger visits. And to this tantalizing dish was to be added your bodily fluids. Yes, her bodily fluids. Well, you can imagine. This, however, she did. Presented it to her man who ate it up with great relish. Nothing happened but a return visit to the alternative medicine doctor. She was counseled to be patient. And lo and behold, during the following weeks, things started to move. Her husband came home on a Thursday night 
and even gave her a little love. The following week, he stayed twice. The next week, a little more and more until, praise be, he stopped going anywhere and came home and seemed to be happy. Some while later, the mistress came banging on his door to see what happened. But the good wife gave her a good cussing and told her not to come back to her yard. Revenge is now the issue. The sweetheart went straight to her obiumate of some reputation to tell the story of her woe. But we already know what advice he gave. Yes, to make a stew, putting in the same thing and taking it to her wayward lover. The wife was out at this time and she offered it to him as a farewell gift. When the wife came home, she saw, of course, curious to know, from whence came this pot of stew? So her husband, being who he was, lied and said he cooked it for her. After the first shock of disbelief, she assumed that this was an extra bonus from the Obia woman's magic. So she dished out the hot soup and they both set to eat and it was good. The wife felt strange for a few days, but the effect soon passed. Not so for the husband, for his condition took a backward turn. He took to laying in his bed until late in the morning and then stopped going to work altogether. I'm not happy, she said to the Obia woman as she related how well life had improved with the spell at first. But now things have gone from one extreme to another. This should not happen, was the reply. So after a lengthy cogitation, she asked for some time to investigate how to solve the dilemma. And would the wife kindly return in a few days? The wife went home, upset, taking it on her husband, cussing and nagging until he confessed that the soup came from his mistress. Oh, what a row follow. The wife easily winning on points, almost a knockout. She then ran to the yard of the lover for another confrontation, but was only met by hands on hips. I don't want him now. He doesn't work and he has no money. Turning away, the wife set off straight for the Obia woman to tell her about the conflict and how she now suspected a counterspell was a minister to her husband. But the Obia woman already knew. Now, you must leave this man and this wife and his mistress to their own destinies. As our tale moves to the ugly side, our Obia woman was really vexed now. Not all, okay, not at all pleased that some other practitioner was interfering with her business. She spent all the morning muttering to herself, letting fly with the occasional curse as she painstakingly mixed up a nasty-looking concoction. The day before, she had sent out her spies and was able to locate and identify her competitor. So with brew in hand, 
she made her way to the front door to knock loudly three times. Turning on the spot between each blow, a ritual that was to intensify her magic. As the Obia man stepped from his house, he was greeted by a shrill cry as she flung the fluid full into his face. Then she ran back to her yard, screaming and gyrating and cussing all the way. Staggering back in surprise, the Obia man clutched his face and the corrosive lotion started to burn and strip the skin from his cheeks. He rushed to the room where he kept his own supply of powders, herbs, and the such, and started to nurse his face with special medicinals, but to no avail. Most folks know about the Obia man, but would not own up to it because of the profession instilled fear in the local community. Business was kept private, so he couldn't turn to anyone for help. He wasn't, however, going to be able to keep his incident private for long because his face was exfoliating most horribly. He applied aloe vera lotion, cocoa butter lotion, and a number of special magical concoctions that are only known to the Obia practitioners. But nothing gave relief. But nothing gave relief. So he was reduced to the ancient recipe of making a paste from the dirt in his yard which he plastered as a pack liberally over his face. But to no avail. A visit to the local doctor was futile. Prescribed medications didn't work. By this time, any skin that was not peeling was developing yellow blisters and itched most horribly. The final straw came late that night as he was scratching and begging for the curse to be lifted. The pus-filled blisters began to burst. And to the horror of the Obia man, the fluid seemed to wiggle down his cheek. His face was covered in maggots. Horrible, squirming, wiggling maggots. Emitting a piercing cry of pain and terror, he fled from the home, vomiting with revulsion and calling for help. But when the local householders cast the eyes upon this macabre spectacle, they ran indoors, barricading fast and strong. Ghastly sight blundered from yard to yard, knocking on door after door as the maggots emerged from his nose, ears, and mouth. Our Obia man eventually ran off into the bush, screaming, being heard throughout the night as he staggered and stumbled through the undergrowth. About a week later, his decaying maggoty corpse was found lying in a gully. Nobody wanted to claim it. Nobody wanted to bury it. The church would not consider the body being placed in consecrated ground, but the stench from the house where it had been placed became so nauseating that some arrangement had to be made. So, a sepulchre was built in a remote place on top of Coffee Grove Hill, and a few spectators who dared to accompany the coffin hastily slid the box into the ground, and it was promptly mortared up. There was no minister to say a prayer. There were no 
hymns sung in his honor. Just a hasty retreat from the scene. They were about 30 paces from the tomb when a sounding crash was heard across the valley. Running back, they saw that the concrete roof of the Obia man's resting place had shattered and collapsed onto the coffin lid, breaking it wide open. Amongst the broken stone and timber, the rotting corpse was clearly seen, maggots crawling from every orifice. But it was moving. It was alive. The small group cringed back as a hollow voice came from the tomb. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Nobody ever visits this part of the hill anymore. But it is rumored that if you are ever passing too closely by, at a certain time of the year, you will hear our Obian man cry. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. The end. What to say about this story here? There's really not much you can really say. Be careful, my brothers. If you have a mistress and a wife, be careful. Because if she knows an obia, she may, or they, may put you in a tough situation. And if you happen to be an obia, be careful who you help, apparently. Because if a more powerful obia is already helping that, or involved in that situation, you could find yourself like our obia man. Oh, I pray that you don't. I pray that you aren't on that hill. I pray that you don't cross that Obia woman like he did. It's not going to be beneficial. It's really not going to be beneficial to anybody involved. Because apparently she doesn't play. And I, and this is more than just uh, the Obia practice. Um when you get involved in people who practice spiritual, ancestral um, magic, you have to understand that they're speaking to ancestors and some ancestors are very powerful. If you believe in this type of thing, you know, if you don't, don't worry about it. If this is not your cup of tea, don't worry about it. Just make sure you don't read the tea leaves when you get done drinking. (laughs) But yeah, uh, that's crazy. I would have hated to have smelled or seen or been witness in any kind of way to that poor Obia man. He probably thought he was just helping, you know, a lowly woman. And didn't know he was crossing an Obia woman. Well, that's all I can say to that. Don't do it. Don't get involved in the situation. And don't bring people into the situation they don't need to be. 
Just do right by your lady, by your significant other, by your man. And hopefully, you don't have to worry about meeting the opiate. <laughs> anyway, thank you for coming along. Thank you for supporting. And thank you for listening to my story. And until next time, before you go, make sure you go down to the galley and see Chef. I hear he has a wonderful meal. I guess just watch the special ingredients today. You know how he gets inspired. Well, until next time, have a blessed day. Welcome, my friends, to the galley. I am your friend, Chef. And today, inspired by such a wonderful story, we will have beef stew with scotch bonnet peppers. We will start with the marinade. You will need two and a half pounds of well-marbled chuck beef stew meat. Cut into one and a half inch chunks. I know you are wondering, how do we get such good meat on a ship? Don't worry about it. (laughs) We will also need to chop one large yellow onion. We will also chop five medium scallions. We will roughly chop four large garlic cloves and also three large whole thyme sprigs, one teaspoon of peeled and minced fresh ginger. You got to love ginger, right? Two teaspoons of minced scotch bonnet or habanero peppers, whichever you can find. Hmm. We like scotch bonnet here. <laughs> one teaspoon of hot sauce, two and a half teaspoons of kosher salt, one teaspoon of freshly ground black pepper, half teaspoon ground allspice, one tablespoon of sugar. And that is your marinade. For the stew, we will need a quarter cup of vegetable oil, two cups chicken stock, three tablespoons of ketchup, one tablespoon of soy sauce, two bay leaves, two medium carrots peeled and sliced diagonally into quarter which rounds. Yes, I know. Very specific, isn't it? But it's the way I like it. Two medium rosé potatoes peeled and cut into three quarter or one inch chunks. Half a cup of sliced scallions plus more for garnish Mm. half red bell peppers sliced and quarter cup of sliced onions now to make this meal happen first we must season the beef okay so 
in a large bowl. Add the cubed beef, the onion, scallion, garlic cloves, thyme, ginger, scotch bonnet, or habanero, which one you have is up to you. Hot sauce, kosher salt, freshly ground black pepper, allspice, and sugar. Combine this with your hands thoroughly. Get in there. Coat the meat with the marinade. Cover and refrigerate for one hour. At least one hour. If you can do it overnight, even better. Remove beef from marinade. Set a large, heavy bottom pot or Dutch oven over a medium heat. Add the oil. Use a slotted spoon or hands to remove meat from the beef marinade, leaving any large pieces of onion, scallions, garlic, ginger, or thyme in the bowl. Reserve the marinade. You will use it later, okay? Then, sear the beef in batches on all sides. Four to five minutes per side. Set the browned pieces aside in a clean bowl or plate as you go. You want to do this in batches so you can get a good sear. If you overcrowd the pan, the beef won't brown properly. The sugar from the seasoning will make the brown bits on the bottom of the pan very dark brown, almost burning. But don't worry, my friends. This is the color we want. As long as you don't have an unappetizing burnt smell, you're still in good shape, huh? If it looks like it is turning black, reduce the heat, please. You can even deglaze the pan between batches with a bit of chicken stock and remove that liquid to the bowl when the seared meat before searing the remaining pieces. Okay. Now, once all of the beef is browned, add marinade to the pot and turn off the heat. Use a wooden spoon and the residual heat to scrape up the brown bits from the bottom of the pot. They will be needed. Alright, once all of the bits have been scraped from the bottom, add the beef back into the pot along with the stock, ketchup, soy sauce, and bay leaves. If you have had trouble removing all the bits, the stock will help you scrape up any last pieces. Then, turn the burner to medium heat and bring the stew to a simmer. Cover the pot. Reduce the heat to low or medium low and Simmer gently until the beef is tender. Mm. About one hour and the beef should be tender for you. Okay? Then, we will add carrots and potatoes. Once the beef is tender, remove the bay leaves and thyme spray. Put the carrots and the potatoes. Stir well. Cover the pot. Simmer on low to medium low until the vegetables can be easily pierced with a fork about 30 minutes. 
Then add the remaining scallions and red pepper and onions and cook uncovered for 5 to 10 minutes or until tender. Now we want to thicken the stew. You can remove the lid and reduce the cooking liquid until you reach your desired consistency. Or take a few of the tender potatoes and use a fork to smash against the side of the pot. This would give the stew body. Lastly, taste and adjust the seasoning with more salt or pepper. Garnish with additional chopped scallions and serve alone or over rice. The stew tastes even better the next day. And to my women, well, if you have a wandering mind, I believe you know what to do. Well, that is all. My friends, go do what you do. Let me know how this stew works and let me know if that wandering man is home more often. Hmm. So, until I have another recipe, as always, all I want you to do is enjoy. My friends, we are here and I want to thank you for coming out here on this voyage with me. Thank you for doing what you do and giving me the time to get to this point. I want you to join me in thanking Art by Chalet. I want to also join me in thanking those who create the sound effects and music on freesound.org and Free Music Archive. I want you to share this journey with your family and friends so that way they can be blessed just as you are. If you want to leave a comment or a review so others can learn about this voyage, please do so wherever you can. All other ways to support and contact me will be in the show notes. So please go there, check it out, and do what you do best and be you. Again, thank you. And until next time, have a blessed day.